0: Welcome to another episode of the Victory Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Victory Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry and the impact it has had in our community for over 50 years, visit VictoryBaptistValdosta.com. Now let's listen as Pastor Ward brings today's message from God's Word. Three. And uh, I remember... The Lord gave me this message in a, somewhere around 2000, somewhere 1999, 2001 or whatever, and uh, somewhere along there, two, three, or four, I'm not sure. Uh, the first time I have a, uh, a you know, record of preaching, it was 2004, but I think the Lord gave it to me a little earlier than that, and I don't remember the circumstances. I don't remember the circumstances at that time, but I think it had something to do with uh, the uh, church anniversary. We were getting ready. I know that's about the time that we developed the little motto, and you'll see it on all of our publications, and it's here and there and everywhere. You'll see it come up on the screen. And um, making a difference since 1969. And so uh, this church has been trying uh, to make a difference since 1969. And somewhere along in there, and I again, I don't remember the events that were going on at the time, but I remember the thought coming to my mind how that it is really God that makes a difference, isn't it? Uh, we, I'm glad we can be part of, uh, of affecting the lives of people. But we know at heart that... Um, That that is the Lord that makes a difference. And so the Lord gave me this message out of Exodus chapter number 3, and the title of it this morning is, His Presence Makes the Difference. His Presence Makes the Difference. And you'll see some uh, situations all through the scripture where uh, that truth is given to us. Now, if you've been around for a while, you've probably heard parts of this again and again, but I... Always, when I preach one second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth time in 42 years, I always try to, you know, uh, revisit it and and see what the Lord is speaking to our hearts about now rather than 20 years ago. And so let's begin our reading in verse number one with that said, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see... God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. Verse number five. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place where on thou standest is holy ground. We'll stop our reading for there this morning. And I want to go back and think about the thoughts. Actually, it begins in verse number two when it said that the angel of the Lord, and we know who that is in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And then he elaborates on that in verse number four. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush, and to this point, it was just an ordinary bush. Now these aren't real; these these are plastic trees that we have around here. Too expensive to keep live ones all the time. But anyway, the um, uh, or, or is this one? But Moses is walking along in the desert. And by the way, can I can I say this? That it was not unusual, as it's not unusual in many desert regions, for. Uh, Uh, foliage to be set on fire sometimes for various reasons. And so as Moses is walking along that day uh, in the desert, he sees a bush that is burning. And uh, so he wasn't particularly taken or uh, awed by the fact that the bush was on fire. He'd probably seen many bushes burn. and uh, But as he looks at this bush, he begins to realize that Something out of the ordinary is taking place. The bush is burning, but it's not burning up. The bush is burning, but it's not burning out. The bush is on fire, but it's not being consumed. And that, as strange as it was, attracts his attention and he stops and we see what begins to happen. And so we see how dramatically that things and events and people change when God is present. His presence makes the difference. When God is in it, things become different. And so God is in the bush, and so now this common, ordinary piece of foliage out in the desert has become the residence of the Almighty God. It has become a place that God is inhabiting. And for that reason, there is drastic change. And might I say this at the onset of the message, if God is present in your life, there's going to be some drastic changes. Now, I I know that when you say something like that, somebody said, well, you know, uh, I got, you know, I I called on the name of the Lord many, many years ago, and and, uh, not a lot of changes have taken place. There's a little something wrong with that. Because we know that when God moves in, there's gonna be changes. I mentioned to you that I'd been here for 42 years. I got saved uh, about eight years before that. Been saved 50 years now. Got saved April the 20th, 1972. And, um, and so I've been, been saved over 50 years. And I was about 22 years old when I got born again. When God moved into my heart, He moved into my life as well. And drastic changes began to take place, just like it was in this ordinary bush, that God began to make changes in my life. I'd be very much concerned this morning if I called called Jesus as my Lord and yet there were no changes in my life. I'd be taking inventory. And make sure you didn't get a counterfeit. It happens all the time. Uh, You can be religious and not make any changes. You can, by the way, you can be a Baptist and not make any changes. There's no requirements to change to uh, be religious, no requirements of change that um, to be a Baptist or a Methodist or an Episcopalian or whatever the case may be. But if you become a genuinely born-again child of God, there's going to be a difference in your... Just like this bush was different than any other bush that Moses had seen, your life, your life will be different when Jesus moves in. I just wanted to say that. And so uh, uh, the difference that he makes when he's present. And so I just wrote these things down. When he is present... And you'll see that the ordinary becomes extraordinary. Uh, You'll see that the natural becomes supernatural when he's present. You'll see where the unusual, the unusual, or the usual rather, the common, the ordinary, the usual becomes very unusual. When God's around, little becomes much. I love the song, little is much when God is in it. Uh, You're going to see over the next few moments, we're going to look at about five different areas of some very normal and common things, and yet because God is present, they are off the chart as far as things are concerned. Little becomes much. I'm glad that that it doesn't take a large church to get the work done for God. A little church church like us can do the work of God. It's amazing that we can do the work of God. This little band of soldiers here at uh, 3229 Madison Highway, I think there's six different addresses on this property, but that's the main address. And this little conglomerate of people that have come together, it's amazing to me that we can work in this community and yet we can also work across America and we can help establish other churches and then not just in in, uh, in America, but also in uh, South America and Central America and over in Europe and Asia and around the world because we believe in worldwide missions. A little church like us can make a difference in the world. It's so fascinating to me. It's amazing to me. Little is much when God is in it. People all the time, they say, well, you know, our little church. I don't know that you can really measure them that way. And, uh, but let's move on. Every one of these just kind of sparks an interest for me. Weakness becomes strength when God is there. When the presence of the Lord is with us, sickness becomes health and darkness becomes light. Storms become calm and war becomes peace, unless God enacts a war. Doubt becomes assurance. You see, man was an ordinary lump of clay, Uh, an ordinary lump of clay. When God looked down and took that clay, that dust of the earth, and breathed into his nostrils a breath of life, man was just another lump of soil until God became present. Can you see that this morning? I like the story in what is it, Jeremiah 17 of clay in the potter's hand and how that he took it and that he made it and he formed it into a vessel and uh, then, then that was displeasing to him and he, then he remade it again and uh, one of our friends from many years ago, ba- Baptist preacher, Brother Tom Hayes, wrote, wrote the song about I'm just clay in the potter's hand. I'm just clay in the potter's hand Lifted up from the miry sand. May he form me to his demand. I'm just clay in the potter's hand. Hmm. That makes the Baptist on me want to shout. I'm telling you, when God God can take a, a lump of clay and make something out of it, <laughs> Makes chill bumps stand on the line and won't get on my backbone. I tell you, friend, it's real. If it's not real to you by now, I don't know if you'll ever get a hold of it. And so when God is present, things begin to happen. Um, the disciples were ordinary fishermen. I mean, just men who went out and took their nets. That was their vocation and they they were very good at what they were doing but for the most part before Jesus came into their lives and transformed them into being fishers of fish and the fishers of men when he is present he makes a difference he makes a difference i love those stories about them too man was an ordinary lump of clay the disciples were ordinary fishermen pentecost was an ordinary festival I'm so glad, and I love this song, and and this is one that we ought to sing from time to time. What a wonderful change in my life hath been wrought, since Jesus came into my heart. (laughs) Are you listening? And so, I think that I've already proven my point that His presence makes a difference. It's not that I'm a Baptist. It's not that I'm a preacher. It's not that I've turned over a new leaf or I've, I've signed a new lease on life or I've, I've changed my ways. The reason I am, as Brother Tim was saying in Sunday school this morning, how God transformed his horrid past and made a difference in his life. Nobody can do that. There's no social problem that can do it with, with 100% Success. God can. Mm-mm. I'm glad that he can. First of all, I want you to notice in our story, look at uh, just five things very quickly. Again, our title this morning, if, you, if, if there's something missing in your life, if there's something that you just feel like you can't get it, you can't get grasp on it, or you can't you can't get victory over it. All you need is Him. That's what you need to make a difference. And so His presence, when He's around, now I've been in prayer meetings, and then I've been in prayer meetings. Hey, I've been in church services, but then I've been in church services. I've been in revival, hundreds of revivals, but then. I've been in revival. We had one here a dozen years ago that God swept through this place like a West Texas wind and uh, started saving souls, started with our piano player that had been uh, uh, the preacher's daughter and uh, raised in church, started playing the piano for church when she was seven years old. And uh, God moved on her and she got gloriously saved one Wednesday. We were up at... Crown College had a group of students up there and uh, introducing them to the college there. And I got the phone call. I remember I was sitting in the uh, little, the uh, atrium area out front. And uh, Tracy, uh, it came up, Tracy's number. And uh, I answered the phone. And uh, they were, you could tell that she was broken about something. I, I was alarmed. I didn't know what it was. And the words came out of her mouth said, Daddy, I just want you to know, I just got saved. Man. I think that was on a Wednesday. I'm not sure. I think it was on a Wednesday. And uh, over the next two weeks, God saved 65 people. I baptized 50, 54 or 55 of them. We did. We every church service. We just came in, and all of a sudden, it was like, "Hey, God's here. Let's have let's let's see what He'll do while He's here." Rather than come in and go through our little program, you know, and and uh, we've got to have our uh, uh, all the little elements of the program but god moved in and that service and the next service and the next service and the next service and so finally we said on on wednesday we said we're, we'll be back here tomorrow night and folk would come and folks were get folk were getting saved at the house they were getting saved riding down the road they were getting saved in church and we were we just kept the baptistry full and uh, after about 10 or 11 days of that uh, in in somewhere along the second week i finally called a preacher for Friend of mine I said if we are going to have revival it only seems to be right to have a preacher we'd already had revival for over a week preacher hadn't even showed up yet he got here and he didn't get to preach for about four or five nights I'm telling you I've been in revival meetings but I've been in revival meetings where God was present and it makes all the difference in the world all the difference in the world let us say in the first place his presence made the difference in an ordinary bush. I think I've already given pretty good declaration on that. Notice in verse number three, this ordinary bush became a place to f- perform a miracle. The performance of a miracle. It didn't burn up, and uh, neither will you if God's in you. I know we worry about it. And I, I'm I'm at a loss for energy, and I'm at a I'm at a loss for. Uh, getting everything done presently. I'm not as young as I used to be, and, and uh, many of you, we were talking about on the porch this morning, Jurgen and some of the others, Brother Goldman, we are all talking about, man, we just can't do everything that we used to do. And uh, there's some reality in that as you grow older, you have to realize, well, I can't do everything that I used to do. But uh, if you're you're serving God, I I feel confident that if you're following Him and He is present, present in your life, that you won't burn up and you won't burn out. You'll just burn on. And just keep on burning for Jesus. Just keep on burning for Jesus. If you'll follow Him and serve Him, He'll light you like a candle on both ends and use you. And so now it becomes a place where God performs a miracle. The second thing I see is in verse number four, it becomes a platform for God to speak. I don't know how I got the extra P on the end there, but it becomes a platform for God to speak, for God to speak. And uh, the voice of the Lord, this bush is burning, but it doesn't burn up. It's not ordinary. It's extraordinary. And uh, things are beginning to happen. And the miracle is being performed. And in the midst of that miracle, the voice of God speaks out of this bush. Wow. Not only do we see that there's a miracle that's performed in this ordinary bush when God is in it. And it begins, becomes a place where God can use his voice, and then thirdly, and I think as importantly, it becomes a place of God's holiness. Now, that's, a, that's an interesting thought within itself. Then, notice with me in the second place. Not only do we see that his presence makes a difference in an ordinary bush, but look with me over in 2 Chronicles. His presence makes a difference in an ordinary house. Now you know the story. How many times have you quoted or at a revival meeting or on a revival brochure you've seen the verse written there, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. But in that same chapter there's other verses. Leading up to it there's verse number 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and then we come to this verse that we all use for revival meeting in verse number 14 If my people which are called by my name, etc., etc., etc. But in verse number 11 there's the beginning of this story. Look what he said here. And so in the second place, his presence makes a difference in an ordinary house. His presence makes a difference in an ordinary bush. His presence makes a difference in an ordinary house. And so Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that came into Solomon's heart uh, to make in the house of the Lord. And in his own house, and he prospered, uh, he was prosperous, affected in verse number 12 and the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him I've heard thy prayer and look at this I have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice his presence makes a difference in an ordinary house and uh, this this house that he's speaking of here the the, uh, the house of god the house of the lord and uh, and the king's house and the lord takes a place like this this building is made out of ordinary mortar and it's made out of lumber and it's made out of all kind of composites and components and but you know without god here it's just another building now, we respect it as the house of the Lord, and I think rightfully so. But when, you, when God moves out of here in the Old Testament, there's a story about God leaving the house of the Lord. And as he walked out the door, the last thing that he wrote on the wall was the word Ichabod. The glory of the Lord has departed. And brother, I'm sad to say to you this morning that across the land and across the world, there are many churches that are functioning without the presence of the Lord. I don't want to try it. It's hard enough like it is. It's difficult enough like it is to keep the wheels turning and keep the gears grinding and keep everything going. How in the world could you ever do this without God? How could you do it without God? I told you I was a little nostalgic this time of year. And I've watched the Lord over these decades and I remember the first time I came in in that building over there and what the Lord has done, not because of me, but because we've always tried to honor the presence. We want to please Him. We've never tried to tailor a church to fit people. we I mean, people to fit the church is our responsibility. Folk to fit into the house of God. And I tell you, if you get saved and, filled with the Holy Ghost of God and you fall in love with Jesus and fall in love with his Bible and you fall in love with old time religion, you'll be quite comfortable. But if you want half God and half world and and, you know, if you want to just, if you just want an image of having church and listen, we're not a church because we have a steeple on top. We're not a church because we have a sign out front. We're a church because God dwells here. Hmm. That's so it takes an ordinary. This building didn't just miraculously pop up out of the ground. We worked, we started, we voted, the Lord laid it on my heart. The church had been talking about a new building for five years. And on Thanksgiving Day, January, uh, on Thanksgiving Day in, um, in November, of 1998 God spoke to my heart and said it's time to build a building I kept that under my hat until the week after Christmas and the week before January the 1st that year I stood in a a Sunday night service with a piece of paper in my hand that I'd sketched out an auditorium and I said this is what God wants us to build and God was so much in it that's on a Sunday night There used to be a line of pine trees right where where that pine tree is and then out to the pump house there was a line of pine trees like on the other side of the building. And without even going to the bank and borrowing a dime the next morning, on Monday morning, some of our men were out here with an excavator digging up pine trees. The next morning. You know why? Because God's in it. You take an ordinary house. It's nothing without God. There's nothing to this without God. It's all about Him. And without Him, we can do nothing. We give Him all the honor and the praise and the glory. And I, I, I hope that the Lord will allow me at some point in time just to take you back to church, maybe on a Sunday night or Wednesday night for a month or two months or whatever it takes, and let you see what God has done here. What God has done in this place. And so... He takes an ordinary house and makes a difference. And I give him glory for it. Notice with me, quickly now, in the book of Judges, God takes an ordinary man and makes a difference. His presence makes a difference in an ordinary bush. His presence makes a difference in an ordinary house. His presence makes a difference in an ordinary man. You know the story of Samson, God's strong man. I like him. I like him. He does uh, fit well in our society. Well, well I don't know. But uh, nonetheless, I, I know we get, and I don't know, we get the image, we get the picture in our mind, you know, he's big, some, some big uh, workout guy. And uh, I, I, saw, I saw a fellow the other day, and he's supposed to have the biggest arms, uh, his uh, circumference and diameter of his arms, the biggest arms. And I'm telling you, they were, I mean, his arms look like legs hanging out from under his T-shirt. And I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. And, uh, and, and the funny thing about it, he's not taking a bunch. He's just made that way. He's just made that way. I'm, you've never seen anything like it. You've never seen anything like it at all. I mean, just huge, big thing sticking out from under his uh, T-shirt. And, uh, you know, we get the image that, you know, that's a... And then I read about a football player just the other day, high school boy, 18 years old. Getting ready to go to college, and they were talking about how much he could deadlift, and and 700 pounds here, and 400 pounds. I don't know all that kind of stuff, and uh, and all of these kind of things. And I'm just thinking, oh my goodness, how in the world? And so we get the image of of Samson being, you know, this extra, you know, weightlifter and and full of steroids and all of those kind of things. But that's not the case at all. You know what? He's an ordinary man. 10 fingers, 10 toes, just an ordinary, if that were not the case, then God wouldn't get the glory. And so now we see Samson, and you know the story about him. Look in Judges chapter number 13 in verse 24 and 25. The Bible said, and the woman bear a son, a son. I'm glad the, the Bible is not confused on all these uh, gender situations. He bare he a son and called his name, got all the pronouns right and the noun, and uh, Samson, and the child grew, and the Lord blessed him. He's just an ordinary child. Came into the world in an ordinary way, no miraculous birth or anything along that line. And uh, perhaps just went to, went, to, went to school and And uh, he ate his breakfast and and he cleaned his room and did all the ordinary and common things. But then the Bible said in verse number 5, And the Spirit of the Lord began to move on him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshton. And so now the Lord makes a difference not only in an ordinary bush, but God also makes a difference in an ordinary building. I'll come to a conclusion momentarily. God makes a difference in an ordinary man. In an ordinary man. And here he is, and you know the story about him and all of his exploits, and we don't, we don't have time to look at those things. We, we can go on and we can, you know, we, could, we can imagine biceps and triceps and all those kind of things, but he's just an ordinary man, and the Lord moved on him. And when he did, he became extraordinary. and He became the God's strong man and in, uh, in God's great warrior and God's great fighter. I just have a couple of notes here. Let me read them to you. At one time, he slew 30 Philistines at Ashkelon. Another time, he, he ran down and caught 300 foxes. Can you imagine that? And he took those 300 foxes and he put a torch on their tails and lit them and set them out in the fields of the Philistines and he set their fields on fire. They got real upset uh, upset about that and they went and caught him and they brought him in and they tied him up with two new ropes and he was so strong that he took those two new ropes and just broke them asunder. And he went out and he found the uh, jawbone of a jackass and he took it and he went out and slew a thousand more of the Philistines. Now no man can do that. Can you, can, you, can, can you imagine uh, a running back without an offensive line and, and, uh, and all, all the people that are blocking for him and there's 11 people on the other? How much? How much how, he, he, he'll, he's not going to get anywhere under ordinary situations. And so here we have the story of this man and God, the Spirit of the Lord moved on him And made an extraordinary difference in his life. I don't have time to get tied up on any of these. Number four, he made the difference in an ordinary meeting. Look with me in the book of Acts very quickly and we'll close here in the book of Acts. In the the book of Acts in the fourth place, Pentecost was just an ordinary festival. Celebrated every 50 years, and and uh, it was and, and people from all over the world, and you see that as you begin reading Acts chapter number two, you see that they're coming in from all the nations, and and uh, and the and uh, Jerusalem was kind of the marketplace, uh, the hub of that entire area, and people were gathering in, and they were celebrating the Old Testament ritual of Pentecost, and so God, uh, there's. There's three things that are going on. In the chapter number 1 and verse number 14, they're having a prayer meeting. These all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and men and Mary and the mother of Jesus and his brethren. And, uh, and so we see that there was some praying going on. And then in chapter 2 and number 14, we see there's some preaching going on. But uh, this is an ordinary prayer meeting And uh, this is an ordinary preacher, but Peter, can you imagine of all people, standing up with the eleven, lifted his voice. You know what he's doing? He's preaching. Lifted his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be it known unto you, and hearken to these my words. And he began to preach. And what a message he preached. In chapter number three in verses eight and nine, it talks about there was some praising. And so all of a sudden, we've got this meeting that God has moved into. The Holy Spirit in chapter number two in early verses sweeps in as a wind and he takes over this meeting. And what was very ho-hum and very usual. And I'm sure that in many services that, you know, with... Without the presence of the Lord, there's just, there's sleepiness and yawning and all of those kind of things that are going on, but this ordinary meeting becomes extraordinary. You know why? Because when God's in something, something that's plain and regular and ordinary becomes more than men could ever expect to see. I don't know about you, but this helps this old preacher been around for a long time. I'm glad that the God that spoke in that bush still speaks. I'm glad that the God that moved in that house still moves. I'm glad that the the Lord that the Spirit of the Lord that came upon Samson still comes upon men today. Women, boys, and girls. That's what, that's what y'all were feeling when y'all were at Arise week ago the spirit of the Lord moving I'm glad that God can still take an ordinary service an ordinary scheduled service it might be Sunday morning at 11 o'clock it might be Sunday night at 6 o'clock it might be who knows when it might be but he takes that which is ordinary and makes a difference and then finally we can stay in the book of Acts in chapter 5 and verse number 30 not only does his his presence make a difference in an ordinary bush, in an ordinary house, in an ordinary man, at an ordinary meeting, but his presence made the difference in an ordinary tree. You got it. Look in um, chapter number five, uh, chapter number five of the book of Acts, and I believe we're down in verse number thirty. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. On a tree. You know, it's interesting to me that all of this stuff started on a tree back in the in the Garden of Eden when God had forbidden Adam and Eve to partake of the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden. In the tree. If you take time, and some of you preachers may want to take it and run with it, but there's a lot of trees in the Bible, and it seems like God has a fascination to trees. He does to ships. I don't know how many stories in the Bible we have with ships. I preached on all of those one time many, many years ago. But God has had some kind of special interest in trees, and it started with a tree in the garden. And then, you know, it becomes interesting to me how that, you know, at the end of, at at the beginning of the world, there's a story about a tree. And at the end of the world, and as we move into heaven's great city, in Revelation chapter number 22, he begins to describe a river, but he doesn't leave out the tree but not only do we see that there's a tree at the beginning of the story and there's a tree at the end of the story, but thanks be to God, there's a tree in the middle of the story. There was a tree in the garden. They will, there will be a tree in the garden and there's a tree on Calvary. His presence made the difference in an ordinary tree. Sure it did. Here, it's also interesting that, that he would liken your life, your your good Christian life, and there in Psalms chapter one. Blessed the man that walketh not in counsel, of the ungodly that sitteth in the way of sinners, or standeth in the way of sinners, sitteth in the way. And he goes on. He said, but his, but he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, which bringeth forth fruit in its season. And so there's these stories all in the scripture and they all tie together. We started with a bush and we have wound up with a tree. And now this tree that Jesus is hanging on, just an ordinary tree. I love that song. He knew the tree that he knew would be. The very tree that was, he knew when it was planted that his son would die on. He makes a difference in an ordinary tree. Let me say this in closing as the pianist is coming. We've looked at five different areas that arguably he makes a difference in. But I want to tell you this also, that he makes a difference in your marriage. He can make an ordinary marriage really good. He can make a difference in your home, He makes a difference in your life. He makes a difference in your ministry. I've already mentioned, I I wouldn't want to try it without him. He makes a difference in a song. I've heard singing, and then man, I've heard singing. I've heard some good songs, and I've heard some really good songs. He makes a difference. And he'll make a difference in you. If you don't know him this morning, let me challenge you as we stand to our feet. Tracy will play softly. We'll not have a song this morning. We'll just take a moment to reflect on what's been said. How the Lord makes a difference. How many of you by the raise of a hand could say the Lord sure has made a difference in me? Would you raise your hand good and high? (laughs) Hallelujah. That's what I'm talking about. But I just want you to see it, okay? I just wanted to remind you of it. Oh, what a difference since Jesus passed by.